I kind of have like these discretionary, like here's a certain amount of calories every day. And this is the only part of the calorie piece that we right. do program, that you can kind of do whatever you want with every day. Yeah. So that is like that glass of wine that you really want, like go mm-hmm. for it. I, I always want it to feel sustainable or people mm-hmm. like won't stick to it long-term. Yeah. It can be hard when we completely eliminate certain things and expect ourselves to do it forever. Cause it's just and like an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. And yeah. I also think too, it's like so many people isolate this one thing, right? They're like, well, how many al- drinks of alcohol can I have per day? Or like the carb. Oh, oh yeah. And it's like, well, what, what's the rest of your day looking like? Yeah. Because, um, cutting out one food group isn't necessarily going to translate to weight loss or whatever right. goal or if like everything else in your day isn't up to par or you're not eating enough of the other food groups. And that's right. kind of where I think some people, I was just talking to a client today actually about this, where it's like eating healthy and eating for weight loss are two different things. Um, yeah, I don't about you, but I always get people to be like, well, I'll just cut out dairy. Like, why didn't I lose weight? And it's like, well, yeah, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like right. more than just dairy or alcohol. Yeah. Right. I know. Well, instead of one tablespoon of my shredded cheese with my egg, I had a whole avocado or something, you know, it's, it matters. You're listening to the Imperfect PCOS Podcast, where we share no BS science-backed strategies to put your PCOS into remission. I'm your host, Corey Ruth, aka The Women's Dietitian. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Imperfect PCOS Podcast. Today, we are joined by a fellow registered dietitian, Katie Pacara, and she is she specializes in weight loss for busy professionals. So needed. Katie is passionate about helping women find a sustainable way to lose weight and keep it off for good without counting calories and ditching the all or nothing mindset. Katie focuses on insulin resistance and portion control methods so you can learn how to lose weight from anywhere. Welcome, Katie. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome, welcome all the way from Rhode Island. Yeah, on the other side of the the pond here or over yeah. here on this coast. But yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Corey. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Good. Do you work with women with PCO or do you work with men and women or is it kind of mostly women? What's your typical demographic? You know, it, it was both. And I'll be honest, it just, yeah. uh, it's most women now. Okay. Um, and prior to starting my own practice five years ago at this point, mm-hmm. I was, um, an endocrinology department. So I was doing a lot of PCOS, oh, cool. a lot of diabetes, a lot of weight loss. Um, uh-huh. yeah. In my like favorite area. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, same. I can totally relate. <laughs> so tell us, I would love to start with learning a little bit more about your journey. How did you get into this field? Tell us kind of your background as far as getting into weight loss. And you just mentioned working kind of with some of that, um, you know, in, in clinic, but how you got into this niche. Yeah. You know, it's not like a typical story. I think for a lot of people who, a lot of women who end up being dietitians for weight loss. Um, Mm -hmm. but I always joke that growing up, I was the kid who was like, you know, everyone was looking at the cartoons on the cereal box. And I was like looking at the nutrition facts. on the cereal box. I was a competitive gymnast for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And we actually had uh, a dietitian on staff who worked with us and Mm -hmm. 
She was a big, like, I just loved what she did. I thought it was so cool. And her kind of tweaks that she had made to suggestions on things like my snacks and my breakfast and lunches enhanced my sports performance a lot. And I thought that was so neat. Um, I also mm-hmm. just like grew up with a mom who loved cooking in the kitchen and always kind of brought me in. Love so it. I always had a lot of interest in food. I majored in, co- in college in nutrition right away. I kind of always mm. knew I wanted to be a mm. I didn't necessarily know what field I wanted to go into. I just mm-hmm. knew I wanted to be uh, in that field or what specialty I should say. Uh, sure. And I also minored in psychology in college. Mm-hmm. So I've always Perfect. loved the relationship that people have with food Mm. and unfortunately always seems like there's more people who have challenging relationships with food as opposed to super positive right obviously as a mist I was around a lot of people with not great you know relationship with food myself included for a long time so I got a couple of jobs post college in as a dietitian and then the one I was just telling you about uh my last job before starting my practice in endocrinology I just loved helping people feel more empowered with food choices mm-hmm. and the weight loss one was one that I just felt really interested in because of the psychology piece and how yeah. you think of these other areas where people can just cut out something like alcohol for the rest of their life if they right. choose not to drink anymore and when we feel like we have this push pull relationship with food, you know, it's not something we can just like cut out and stop yeah, eating. It's such a good point. Figure it out. So I just really, I like love this field and I have not personally had to lose a lot of weight in the past. I, when I graduated college, I kind of like very quickly gained 10 pounds as a dietitian, just mm-hmm. in the working world and trying to manage my own schedule. And so I had to figure out how to lose that. That was like something I worked on and was able to do. And then I had my son, Owen, 14 months ago, I gained 40 pounds uh, during my pregnancy. And I just had to kind of figure out how to lose weight postpartum, but still mm-hmm. have enough energy around with the baby. And yeah. um, so kind of my newer place where I feel like I can identify a little bit, you know, of feeling a little foreign in your own body and um, yeah. just really passionate about helping people feel good in their their own skin again. I love that. I love that combination of, you know, the psychology piece is so huge. I remember when I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to give my clients a list of what to eat and they're going to follow it and then they're going to lose weight and it's going to be perfect. And then, eh, no, um, no, there's so much more involved than just do this, don't do that. And I also too want to say, you know, there's so much about, I think I want to say backlash when it comes to weight loss. I want to say backlash, but that's not the right word. You know, this negative connotation that weight loss has, especially in the dietetic community and how it's always viewed as kind of like a negative thing. Like it's kind of like an icky, and you tell me your experience with this too, but it's kind of like an icky, like people think it's like slimy or icky to talk about. But honestly, dietitians, you know, where we come in is where it is we help to bust all of the myths that others who aren't qualified to educate on weight loss about. And, you know, we're actually teaching how to do it in a way that is the right way, meaning it's non-restrictive. It's something that you can maintain long-term. So, you know, there's such a difference between weight, like 
how am I, I'm trying to say this and it's Friday afternoon, but weight loss versus like weight loss. You know what I mean? Like there's just two different competing pieces. And one is the way that, you know, you go about it in your practice, the way that I go about it. And then there is the other side where people totally lump all weight loss dietitians into that big cloud. And they're just so different. Have you experienced and felt that within our community or even outside of it? Totally, totally. You know, and it's, I think it's tricky to navigate, but yeah, when I think you realize that you're helping people improve their relationship with food, mm-hmm. seeing results that they're looking for that are sustainable and listen, right. sustainable weight loss, right? For a lot of us, it's what we're taught in school is it's like half a pound to two pounds per week. And right. I think it's like everyone loses weight at different rates. That's not something I'm trying to force right. at clients, but right. I think a lot of people come in you know, I think by the time, I don't know if this is true for you, Corey, but by the time someone works with me, they've tried like seven different things more and they may have done a program where they lost a lot of weight in a really short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, well, that's not really how I would measure success. If you Mm -hmm. hated that diet, if you regained Mm -hmm. weight back, if you had no social life in the meantime. And so for me, it's like, how can we help you see the results you're looking for but still live your life. And for my typical client, they're they're busy professionals. They don't want to be counting calories every time. They don't want to be following this rigid meal plan or they can't because they're traveling a lot and they right. really like to be able to know how to eat at a restaurant, on an airplane, yes. Airbnb, all those things. But yeah, I think that weight loss has a bad rap, but I am a big believer in moderate weight loss can not only, you know, improve confidence, but it really can improve like health markers, you know, and it can be good for blood work and blood pressure and blood sugar management and those types of things. So I kind of want to like give it a better name again, you know? Yes. I'm right there with you. I always talk about that. I love, I love to talk about that. There's no way around it. PCOS is complex and multifaceted. What we know about it, including how best to treat it, is constantly changing. That's why I've dedicated my life's work to helping women put their PCOS into remission. Inside my signature program, the PCOS Boss Academy, women lose weight permanently without restriction and master their most stubborn PCOS symptoms. If you're looking to get pregnant or want to be a mom in the future, my ultra-successful Get Pregnant with PCOS program supports moms-to-be every step of the way in conquering PCOS symptoms and bringing home the baby of their dreams. Plus, there's an additional weight loss mode to check into. These are all of the science-backed nutrition and lifestyle tweaks you need to improve your PCOS and change your life from a qualified healthcare provider and leading PCOS expert in the field. Ultimately, we are in control of our PCOS, and I would love to work with you inside one of my upcoming programs so you can step into the best version of yourself and start feeling like you again. And so you mentioned, you know, busy, busy professionals, busy women that you're working with. Why is it harder? I mean, you know, what, what are some moving parts within working where in this community of women that are traveling that do have, you know, demanding jobs, what are some pieces that are, you know, that you would say are specific to that weight loss journey? Why do we gain more weight? And I say we, because I, I totally let myself into that, you know, having two kids under four and working full time. And my, my fiance is a firefighter. So he's gone for two weeks at a time all summer. 
busy is such a, um, we wear it as a badge of honor, you know, sometimes, but it really can be prohibitive when we're talking about weight loss. Mm-hmm. I was, we had this topic in my group call this week of talking yeah. about trying to not be psyched about, I think as women too, we kind of get together and celebrate mm-hmm. the women who have like slept the least, eaten the least, but accomplished mm-hmm. what's on their to-do list. And like, yes. I'm like trying to redo that of like, how about like celebrating the people who slept, you know, eight hours, yeah. ate three meals today and got some stuff done, but didn't like lose their mind in the process. Um, I want to be here. I, I think what makes it hard for busy professionals, especially because we're talking mostly busy women and that obviously includes moms. And now that I'm a mom, I understand mm-hmm. that it's a lot more than I did mm-hmm. a year ago. Sure. Um, yeah. The time constraint is huge. I think the types of jobs that my clients have, they tend to be out a lot socializing as part mm. of their. So whether oh, they have okay. to bring clients like yes. out to eat and, yes. you know, the hour is a really big part of that. And so sure. um, I even had a client recently who comes to mind who she's in a very like male dominated profession. And this okay. was really interesting. She was like, I don't feel comfortable ordering what I really want to eat at a restaurant because all the mm. people are getting like the burgers and the wings. And I kind of feel like I have to be one of the guys and yeah. And they're losing weight in the process. And yeah. I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. Of yes. like, you are already like so high up in your field, but you're intimidated to order what you yes. want at a restaurant because you don't want to be judged by the guys you're with, you know, I get and, it. I get it. And yeah. um, so I think that's where sometimes these, like I don't count calories with my clients, but where those extra calories like just come in, yes. uh, they're out doing work-related things. I also think movement just goes down for a lot of busy professionals. Yes. You know, year where in our 20s, we're just more active. We have more time to go to the fitness classes to mm-hmm. get them. And you had kids in a 40-hour work week into it and we're just not moving enough. And that's where I think you know, managing our weight becomes a lot harder. Okay. And I also think, um, which I think you talk a lot about, right? Like insulin resistance or PCOS mm-hmm. or just being a form of insulin resistance. It's like mm-hmm. the age that that happens and you're yes. kind of tapping into that over the age of 40, but often for a lot of people, it starts in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just makes gaining weight easier. Totally. Yes. All of those make perfect sense. Thank you for shedding light on those. Um, and I can't wait to learn more about how you, how you work with women like this, because I know it's so needed. Talk to us about alcohol and carbohydrates. You know, there's so many things that when we're talking about weight loss, you go scroll on social media on Instagram, you'll see all these videos pop up, these beautifully curated videos, the 10 things I did to lose, you know, the, and it's like, you know, stop, cut out all alcohol or like stop or, um, eliminated sugar or, you know, these extreme things and talk to us about like those, like what are your thoughts on having those and still working on weight loss? Um, I'd love to know kind of your opinion on that. Yeah. I think it honestly can vary a little bit like person to person, but I, I do think you have to have some things in your week that you enjoy. And if alcohol is one of Mm. those you know, I always tell my clients, like, I'm not going to take it away from you. Like, that's yeah. not going to be a, an option for you. But <laughs> but it, it's probably something we have to cut back on a little bit. You know, right. I have 
Mm-hmm. Which like my whole method, but I kind of have like these discretionary, like here's a certain amount of calories every day. And this is the only part of the calorie piece that we right. do in my program that you can kind of do whatever you want with every day. Yeah. So that is like that glass of wine that you really want, like go mm-hmm. for it. You know, if someone doesn't drink and it's more like a sweet, like a chocolate or something, then that's right. where they're going to eat it. Um, cool. But I always want it to feel sustainable or people mm-hmm. like won't stick to it long-term. I love that you have that in the me- in your method because I, I do think, yeah, it can be hard when we completely eliminate certain things and expect ourselves to do it forever because it's just like an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. And yeah. I also too, it's like so many people isolate this one thing, right? They're like, well, how many al- drinks of alcohol can I have per day? Or like the carb. Oh, oh yeah. And it's like, well, what's the rest of your day looking like? Yeah. Because cutting out one food group isn't necessarily going to translate to weight loss or whatever. Right. Or if like everything else in your day is in up to par or you're not eating enough of the other food groups. And that's kind of where I think some people, I was just talking to a client today actually about this, where it's like eating healthy and eating for weight loss are two different things. So, Mm, you know, be aware that just because you're eating healthy doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be enough to see weight loss results. Mind blown. I feel like so many people conflate the two. Like they mush them together. Like, oh, I'm going to snack on, you know, one cup of cashews. Why am I not losing weight? Well, dang, like, yeah. Okay. That's such a great way to put it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, if somebody, they woke up, they had breakfast, they had, you know, eggs with avocado, they had a chicken salad for lunch. They had salmon, potatoes, broccoli for dinner. And then they had a glass of red wine, roughly what, like 125 calories, or they had like a Yasso ice cream bar, about a hundred calories. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't lose weight if they were following, you know, it, it's not that black and white. Like, I love that you can, you know, still have these things in a way that makes sense for your goals. And like, Within a context, right? Like it, within the context of everything else for the day. That's mm-hmm. such an important piece, I think, to to have when we're, you know, kind of struggling, grasping at straws, trying to figure out how do I actually get to my weight loss goal? How do I do it? That's that's amazing. Yeah, um, I don't know about you, but I always get people to be like, well, I'll just cut out dairy. Like, why didn't I lose weight? And it's like, well, yeah, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like right, more than just dairy or alcohol. Yeah, right. I know. Well, instead of one tablespoon of my shredded cheese with my egg, I had a whole avocado or something. You know, it's it matters. Yeah. Okay. So this mindset piece is so huge, and even like I said, even something I didn't even realize when I became a dietitian and opened my doors to my private practice, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how connected the two are our mindset, weight loss psychology, and actually losing weight. What are a couple of things that come to mind when you think about this connection? I mean, you've studied this extensively. You integrate this into your, you know, your practice. What comes to mind? Like, what are some things that people struggle with here? And how do you work with them on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you think of my typical client being a busy professional. And I think with the mindset piece, so many people have this idea with weight loss, or even if weight loss isn't the thing, if it's just trying to eat, you know, better, change your eating habits, 
that they just need more motivation or more willpower, right? And right. you don't. Like if you're relying mm-hmm. on more motivation, it's just going to be, it's such a finicky thing. Like you have no idea how much motivation you're going to have tomorrow. You have no idea how much you're going to have in an hour from now. And we can't like order more of it on Amazon when the motivation is low. Right. And so um, (laughs) one thing I've learned in psychology areas, it's like willpower is directly related to decision fatigue. So the more decisions Mm. you make, the less willpower you have. And so when you think about that from a Mm. food perspective, right? Most people don't feel like they blow it at breakfast. They feel like they make a pretty good breakfast. And then lunch can be like a little more iffy. Like, did you have lunch planned ahead of time? What you were going to do? Okay. The morning did you end up having if it was a Mm. crappy, stressful morning? Shit show or calm? Which one? Okay. Lunch can be a little more dicey. And then for most people, I think for most busy professionals, dinner is the like, real kind of like game over. I'm exhausted. I don't want to think about it. And that's where we end up like ordering, not even because we're dying to order. Like we just can't bear the thought of cooking or figuring out or having a street store. So I always kind of tell clients to like, think about their day and when is your willpower with food the lowest? And, you know, let's just give an example of me. It's like, if 3 p.m. is my hard time of day or like Katie, like history shows Katie at 3 p.m. never makes a good food decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm a dietitian, even though I know better, right. I can pretending that like I'm going to magically do better at three tomorrow. And what I, you know, suggest is like, if you know three is your hard time of day, then at 7 a.m. decide what your 3 p.m. snack is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, love it. Like, and if you are someone who needs choice and variety, then Give yourself two options at 7 a.m. And then at 3 p.m., you pick between option A, option B, as opposed to like mm-hmm. opening the cabinets in the fridge and kind of looking through everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so if it's not mid-afternoon for you, if it's nighttime, if it's after the kids go to bed, just planning ahead for that time of day mm-hmm. is so, so helpful with the the mindset piece for staying on track. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that extra planning is can make or break, you know. And it's like, oh, God, one more thing to think about. But you know, we have to put in some effort when it comes to weight loss. It doesn't have to take over our world, but we do have to think about it a little bit. We do have to plan a little bit, and it's worth it. It's worth it to do that yeah. and reach your goals. And I think most people reach for the same things more often, and maybe not the exact same thing every day, but you probably mm-hmm. be going for one to three options most of the time at that mm-hmm. time. Like mm-hmm. we're just tweaking the option and planning ahead. And it might feel like a lot of shifting and changing initially, but down the road, I think it just becomes more second nature of, of doing it that way. So true. Yeah. Just knowing your, I think like your, like you said, like your time triggers, you know, when you're feeling the most vulnerable to making a decision that goes against what your goal is, you know, or it, I shouldn't say goes against, but isn't actively working towards what that goal is. Identifying those triggers. Oh my gosh. That is, it, that's just empowering. I feel like just to know that. Oh, okay. Like my, the time of day when I am most vulnerable to, you know, doing XYZ is this. Here's my plan for that time. That's so empowering rather than just having it like, you know, swirling around in your brain, like, I'll do better, I'll do better, I'll do better tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so relatable. 
So what about snacking? Like there's so much talk about fasting and intermittent fasting and all, you know, there's tons on the good old social media, but how, what about snacking? Is snacking something that you recommend or like, how do you work with clients to, to, to do that or not? Yeah. So all of my clients have such different schedules. Like I have right. a, um, I have some clients who are nurses who do like the overnight shift, right? And oh, so yeah. I never am going to tell somebody like, you know, you have to stop eating by this time of day, mm. you eating by this time of day. I mean, I have clients who wake up at 5am. I have clients who don't wake up until 10am. So I am more of the belief of like, I really suggest that from whenever you start eating your first meal of the day, whenever that is, that feels mm-hmm. good for you. Mm-hmm. to aim to eat every three to five hours after that until you're okay. done eating. So if yeah. that happens to be another main meal, mm-hmm. you know, for most people, I think if you're having lunch around 12 and most busy professionals aren't having dinner until six, seven o'clock, that's like a six hour time span of no food. I would suggest like plugging an afternoon snack in. I kind of feel that, you know, three hours for the most part, a meal should keep you full for that long. Yeah. Then I think, I don't think you had enough food at that meal. And I think for most people that once we pass that five hour mark, we tend to get to that like hangry spot of like what would have filled you up then isn't going to anymore, or you're just going to be so hungry that just don't make a great food choice. And I think that's something that I have to work with my clients on a lot because they're so busy with work during the day. Mm -hmm. They, they really do have a tendency to either just skip meals or forget about snacks. And then they get to 6 PM and they want to like eat everything in sight. So it's kind of like trying to eat less at that time, but pulling that food like into earlier pockets of the day. And sometimes I have to tell people like put an alarm on your phone to remind yes. to have that because you're probably <sighs> going to think to do it. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. 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 They're like, well, how does eating more throughout the day, how will that help with weight loss? It's like, well, let me explain. When you get to that hangry point, you literally lose the ability to decide to, to ch- make better choices. You you do. I mean, you're what's guiding you is not so much your brain, but is, you know, your your hunger. And right. you're just gonna fill that void because that's what's biologically, right? Like what we're supposed to do is to eat. Um, at that point, we're not gonna say, you know, I, I want this because I know it's great for my body. You know, it's gonna, it has fiber, healthy fats, and protein. No, you're gonna, you're just gonna eat whatever's there and not think twice about it. And I've totally experienced that myself. So yeah, I I love that. And I think incorporating in, yeah, those, those regular meal and snack times is one of the ways that you can set yourself up for success and avoiding that like after dinner or after dinner, after work, just like total binge fast. I've been there too. Um, Yeah, totally. Let's talk about overeating. I want to talk about this because- Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wonder if you, and this is a separate specialty, but work with clients who struggle with binge eating. I know, you know, that's a whole separate thing. So it's okay if no, but I'm just curious first before we like dive in, I want to know, you know, what kind of what your practice is there. If I work with clients with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I'm not going to say it's necessarily like my specialty. I know mm-hmm. that you know, I wouldn't say that, that, but I think so many people coming in with not the best relationship with food paired with wanting to lose weight often struggle with some level of 
overeating mm. um, tied in with emotional eating, you know, which I guess could be categorized as binge eating. But yes, I, I definitely do work with people who struggle with that. And I have struggled in the past too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know it's, it's also uh, women with PCOS are very vulnerable to that. So it definitely comes up a lot um, in my own practice. Yeah. How do you navigate an instance where you go into that overeating period or, and then you feel, you know, like, okay, now time to restrict and it's that cycle. What's like one way that you, you know, work with clients to get them out of that mode? There's so many ways, but I think one that we kind of already touched on is looking at, you know, regularly mm. scheduled throughout the day because binge eating is more likely to occur if you, yeah. you know, a long time without eating. I know that's certainly not the only reason why it happens, but, sure. you know, really having regularly scheduled meals and snacks can really help, I think, with that. Yes, um, so totally. Be, be one piece, but I think, you know, a part of it is recognizing that why you're doing that, right? And right. that is kind of different. But for a lot of people, it is sort of this form of self-care of like, it makes me feel better when I do that. Mm-hmm. The problem is it, it's a very short shelf life, right? It makes you feel better right. for a few minutes or, right. you know, it's a very short amount of time. So I'm always trying to help them identify like, what was the main emotion that came up around that? Mm-hmm. What was the trigger there? Was it an internal, you know, mm-hmm. feeling? Was an external situation that happened? And what are some mm-hmm. other things that we can put in place the next mm-hmm. time you have a similar emotion because you're human and you're going to? And like a real simple one is, and let's like make it not necessarily binge, but let's just say someone's eating, I don't know, it's not always a negative emotion. Right. Like what if like, I want to reward oh, yeah. totally. like I got through the day or yeah. I, I want to celebrate something. Um, so what I'll kind of suggest is like put a timer on for 10 minutes mm. when you kind of notice I'm having that pull to eat something that has nothing mm. to do with like hunger right now mm-hmm. and commit to doing something else for 10 minutes. Don't mm-hmm. sit there, but but do something else actively mm-hmm. for 10 minutes that also feels like a reward mm. or maybe reward wasn't the best analogy there, but yeah, that also feels good. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not ignoring or denying the feeling. You're still right. tapping into it, but you're trying to tap into it with something other than food. And right. what's really cool is the research shows even waiting 10 minutes, even if you eat after those 10 minutes, oftentimes like what you end up eating and the amount that you end up eating significantly mm-hmm. change. Really? You end up making a better choice and you end up likely eating a smaller portion just by hitting the pause button. And I think so many people, like when I was in the height of like eating for emotions for myself, like the thought of trying to get through the rest of the day without doing that feels impossible. Right. But the thought of like, I can make it 10 minutes. Like I can go take a shower. I can go full laundry. I can call a friend. Mm -hmm. I can paint my nails. Right. And then you like survive those 10 minutes. And sometimes it's like, that was a tough wave. It passed. I don't mm-hmm. need to eat anymore. I feel fine. And sometimes right. you're like, no, I definitely still want to eat. And even if you eat, you just make a better choice. So we're just trying to like mm. press pause, like on those. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to eat. I'm sad. I'm going to eat. I want a reward. I'm going to eat. Like you're just trying right. to kind of build a little bit of space between 
feeling and eating. That's so powerful. That's such a good tool. And I love the timer piece. (laughs) It sounds nerdy and I love it. I love it. I think it's so helpful. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let me get out my credit card and online shop for 10 minutes. That'll light up my brain. Yeah. Uh, you got to pick what works for you, right? The one is uh, that hits that dopamine is um, music. Ah, yeah. And meaningful photos. So photos of family, loved ones, vacations, pets. Oh, cool. What's great is you have access to music and photos like on your phone all the time. So that's that can be part of your 10 minutes. That's so, that's so true. I love that. Powerful and so helpful. <laughs> um, what about some weight loss myths? What are like a few that come to mind that you have to fight against commonly? Um, well, it's not necessarily like a a myth, but I think so many people I work with come in and they're very type A um, mm-hmm. driven. And it's often this all or nothing mm. mindset. Like they're either a hundred percent in or they are a hundred percent out. And mm-hmm. that just is not going to work with food. Like you cannot be a hundred percent in all the time. And I think right. what's really relieving about that is you don't have to be like, right. you will see results without being perfect. So I think a lot of people have that mentality of, well, I messed up. I screwed up. I ate more than I should have at lunch today. The day's a wash. So I'm just going to keep going. And God forbid that happens on a Friday. So, well, I'll start again on Monday. So now it's three days of eating like that, mm-hmm. you know, or well, it's the end of the month. So I'm just going to wait till the start of the next month to really get back on this. And mm-hmm. that's I think people last supper mentality. Yeah. And it's like, if you just left that one meal that didn't go as great as you wanted to, like at that, and you got back on track at your next meal, it yes. truly would have been no harm done. Like, yes, so many people are so hard on themselves. And I have seen people yes. gain 50 pounds after an episode like that because they just never forgave right. themselves for that one thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be like one, so one, but I think, you know, more common ones that kind of drive me nuts. Um, not so much the intermittent fasting, but so many people have been told by like, you know, I was a fitness instructor for forever. So it's no shade on trainers or anything, but like, oh, my trainer said I can't eat past 6 p.m. or like, mm, yes. And it's like, oh my God, your metabolism does not shut off. It's yeah. Just, like, your metabolism yes. doesn't know what time of day it is. Like, it's, it's <laughs> not that you're making fat from having dinner at 8 p.m. It's right. that I think for a lot of people, that nighttime eating is often like, unnecessary foods that you're reaching for or like snacky foods while watching TV. Yes. But yes. it's not that you it's because you ate that past a certain time of day. Right. Right. You get that a lot? Oh yeah. Well I, you know and I think about I was talking to my best friend um it was a few well no the last time I saw her and she, you know she was talking to me about how she had created this, you know, kind of rule to stop eating after seven. And, um, of course my brain goes to that, like, well, you don't really need to do that. But then she said, well, that's when I do my like mindless, you know, that's when I do my eating, my mindless eating. And so actually giving myself that limit was helpful, but yes, it's, it's for the reason of, you know, and who knows how sustainable that is in the long run. I don't know, but yeah. So it was like helpful in one sense, but not because of the reason that we all think, which is like, yeah. 
anything we eat past six, whatever, seven, 8 PM is just going to go like straight to our waste. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So that's, and I totally agree with, with what your friend is saying. Like, I think for some people yeah. have that stop time, right. people from like boredom going into the right. kitchen or whatever, but it's, yes. but if she got stuck at work and didn't get home until seven 30, mm. like never tell her, well, yeah, because right. this 7 p.m. cutoff, right? So yes. that's yeah. where I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the shop is closed. Yes. yes. And I think you said three, the third one that drives me crazy. <laughs> what would that be? I can think of one that I get a lot, but wanting to work on weight loss on one part of your body. Oh, like so. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this working in fitness too. Um, like how do I just lose weight in my arms? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. Mm. Or bicep. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. Right. I know. You can't yes. pinpoint weight loss to one specific. Damn it. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Maybe, maybe AI will have that feature for us in the future. Um, Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking back to my own weight loss journey and it's been, it's been a journey, but I had to learn to love vegetables and it sounds so simple, but I was somebody who never ate a vegetable until my twenties because I did not, I was such a picky eater when I was younger I remember like my mom making like steamed and God bless her soul, single mom, you know, she's an attorney. So she was working all the time yeah. trying to raise us on her own. And she put cheese on steamed broccoli just to like cover up the taste. And even then I would like slip it to the the dog under the table. And I really thought that I hated all vegetables. They were just all gross. And once I started to realize, no, there's different methods of cooking them. There's different spices and seasonings and sauces and, you know, ways to like make them sexier. I, it changed the game for me, but I also had to commit to liking them because they're such an important part of just obviously healthy eating, but, you know, volume eating, which is something that sometimes I fall back on sometimes, um, or just being able to get in that fiber that's more filling, Um, You know, all those antioxidants, obviously for my hormones and my PCOS, but that was a game changer for me. And there's just so many adult women walking around who have that same mentality and don't blame them at all because I've totally been there. But I I think that that could be one shift, you know, that could be so helpful is teaching women how to fall in love or at least in like with vegetables because they can be so powerful. That's such a tool when it comes to weight loss that you can maintain. Um, yeah, I'm, I've just shared that. I just wanted to share that personally, if that resonates with anybody listening, like vegetables and not my fave. Um, yeah. And I, I think too, um, I have a pretty, in my group, I ask for a lot of vegetables, you know, on a daily basis. And yeah. A lot of people don't come in eating that many vegetables and it's no. like, okay, you don't have to be there by tomorrow or by the end of the week, but like, let's work on adding, yeah. you know, men a week that feels doable to you. But yes, I really do see weight loss happen more efficiently when people are eating more vegetables, even if like everything else across the board looks the same person mm-hmm. to person, mm-hmm. uh, the person who's eating 
four or five servings of vegetables in a day mm-hmm. seem losing weight more efficiently too, which is totally. kind of yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And again, so many ways to make them to zhuzh them up. Awesome. Oh my gosh. We've covered some great stuff. I'm so glad that we got to connect today. Tell, tell listeners how they can find you. Where do you, um, like website, social media and how you work with clients, how somebody can work with you if they really want to dive into weight loss. Yeah, that's super sweet. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the weight loss nutritionist. Um, my website also is the weightlossnutritionist.com. Um, my main kind of way of working with clients right now is I have a three month small group coaching program for busy mm-hmm. professionals. So, uh, we have kind of three major components to that. One is that we have a weekly group zoom call together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the groups typically have 12 to 15 people. So they're small and it's not like yeah. getting on a zoom call with a hundred people <laughs> and there's a Slack channel. So there's daily support in there mm-hmm. and then, like online modules and things to look at but awesome. um, that's like my favorite way to work with people because you're in a group with like-minded people who have mm. the same goals as you yes. uh, navigating like all the challenges of that of mm-hmm. you know the work dinners or the family weekend away like how do I stay on track while we're you know eating out at every major meal um mm-hmm. so we talk a lot about nutrition but a lot about all of those like lifestyle components that impact not only losing weight, but keeping it off long-term. Mm-hmm. And like we started today's discussion with just the whole psychology around that and how to improve your relationship with food. Because yes. um, I think that has seemed like we were talking about that weight loss piece at the beginning where it's like mm-hmm. you either lose weight or you have a relationship with food. And I kind of, you know, I try to work on mm. both. Of I don't think you have to pick one or the other there. I love that. So yeah. good. So good. And so true. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Corey. It was super nice to chat with you. If you like this episode, don't forget to review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's what keeps me running. Thanks for listening to the Imperfect PCOS Podcast.